themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Back with another edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to take this moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join the way, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You can send us a message directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Wow, a lot to cover. A lot to cover. Um, let's start with the, uh, the positive. Uh, 2020 NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. Is that how I say it right? 2020, 2021? Yeah. 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 20 sat that many times and not actually having a ball to check up is kind of awkward for me. 2021. Anyway, um, the Bucks did it, man. The Bucks did it. We said, we said, uh, what I said. I said, I, Phoenix. And lo and behold, I'm not surprised Milwaukee won, and Milwaukee won in six. Home floor, which is something. You take it always. It's a double point on a experience to see they crown the world champions on their home. By taking a pivotal game five on the road in Phoenix. Yeah. One of the, you know, all-time great finals performances. He went out there and said, you know what, LeBron, I'm going to join you in the uh, chase down block legend and proceeded to record his own chase down block and also get him a 50-piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, no biscuits, no, uh, no duck sauce, no nothing on the side, straight 50. And, um... Sealed up the finals MVP, and he's, what, under 26 and has managed to be a two-time NBA MVP regular season, a finals MVP, and a defensive player of the year. Um, can we say? Oh, yeah, no, easily. Because you also, I mean, this is some other accolades that people overlook. Giannis is also most improved in the league. Like, yeah. Tip my hat to that cat. That that goes to show you because I mean you gotta go here. And he still don't got a jump shot. That's what I'm saying. So you he's progressed pretty much every year. Um yeah, he's done a lot, man. Like I said, he's done a lot. He's done he's been little by little doing this thing, getting better and better each year. And like you said, each without a jump shot. But what one thing that I've noticed is each year that he's played. He's pretty much gotten better overall field goal percentage. You know what I mean? So his field goal percentage is getting better. Um, his free throws percentage is still still um 
low, you know what I mean? A lot lower than you would want for your, you know, potential face of the league. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, like I said, he's got, he's got a lot of accolades, man. All, you know, all defensive teams, defensive player of the year. He even made the all-star game MVP one year. You know what I'm saying? All NBA, obviously, you know, most, but like I said, the most improved thing to me is, you know, that, that goes to show you that's the growth. You know what I'm saying? Because him being drafted, where he was, I think he was drafted like what, like fifteen or something like that. 14. He wasn't fourteen, yeah. So, yeah, fourteen. So that's what I'm saying. So he's drafted. You know, yeah, he's actually drafted fifteenth. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Drafted fifteenth, but like I said, just the 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 uh, the ability to get better, to progress. You know what I mean? That, that's the biggest testament to him as he progressed and he did it. You know, putting him himself in a position. Uh, to to one and another thing, like I said, this is one thing that outside of basketball you gotta respect Giannis is yo, t- however you talk about me, I'm still going to push on. You know what I mean? He doesn't let the mm-hmm. outside noise, the people remember the fans was the fans had got so reckless, they were doing a tank count at the free throw line, like a chant. There was cats out there counting money, you know, it was cats doing all type of reckless stuff, but he still stayed with it. And you have to look at it from the standpoint of a dude that was such a bad free throw shooter in the playoffs in the, in the crunch, the, the closing game, in a 17, game, 17 for 19 from the free throw line like that. That's like, yo, I'm not going to, because if he, if he started, yeah, because if he only shoots, if he only makes 10 out of those 19, because he, he was, uh, yeah, they don't win. So, you know, the fact that he was, you know, pretty much 90% almost, um, that's that's just a testament I mean, to who he is. Say what needs to be said. Step into game six and what we speak of players of legendary do. No matter what the rest of you other guys on my team do, there will be nothing. There will not be a percentage of my effort. Where we have a chance to win a championship. He put it all out there. He put it there and delivered. And it's these types of chances that put the pressure on future players to go out there and perform. Because he's proven once again that it's possible. And sometimes you you know, we've been in the mm-hmm. team era where, you know, you've seen these teams that are assembled and you don't know if you're watching a, a, a version of the dream team or you're watching standard NBA basketball. We all yeah. can agree that Milwaukee is not. Exactly. And for him yeah, to go right. out there, and, and again, and again, I don't want to say this to, like, diminish the, the – you know, because again, we've we've had our back and forth about the quality of Jamu Holiday's play. Justified. We've mm-hmm. had our back and forth about about Chris Middleton's play. Justified. We've had our back and forth about the merit of Mike Budenholzer's coaching. Coaching. Yeah. Justified. All justified criticism, inquiries, and and analysis of how that team is composed. And like you said. Giannis has withstood it all yeah. and delivered the city of Milwaukee a chance 
50 years. 50 years to the season. Um, I say that that length of time. Did you hear me? I'm listening. Okay. I said, it's not to say that that length of time makes it any more significant, but it, it's a reflection of what that city has been deprived of for a really long time. And they've been going through it. You know, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, they, they've had issues, civil unrest, change, coaches. Yeah. They, they, the franchising as, as a city, as, as well as a state, they, they got some things. So for them to get an opportunity to bask in the glow of being the center of the basketball world, congratulations, Milwaukee. Congratulations. Now, Y'all got y'all championship. Y'all can go away. Let's get back to what we expect to happen in the NBA, which is, you know what I'm saying, the New York Knicks and the Lakers and the Celtics and, you know, the cities with brand names. I'm kidding. kidding. No, I can say I I don't see Milwaukee bowing out too gracefully into the – going riding into the sunset. I mean, Giannis is only 26. Uh, Drew Holiday, he's he's one of the – of their – they're three. Quite the oldest of their three. He's 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 thirty one. He j- and he just turned thirty one. Uh, he j- he which is uh, the, which is so, the technical beginning of the tail end of your prime. So again, and and at this point, nothing yeah, can so, be said that properly that properly quantifies Jay Holiday. He proved that he was a part of what was necessary to turn them into a championship team. It's valid. Mm-hmm. They acquired yeah. him. Everybody else that's gone, the Malcolm Brogdons, the um, what, little man, all of those guys that, you know, have been moved away from the Milwaukee franchise and are no longer a part of it, but were a part of those two, you know, Eastern Conference champions, Eastern Conference, you know, number one C teams that didn't get it done, they weren't the answer. Jay Rue Holiday mm-hmm. is there holding the trophy. So it can't be said that that acquisition was done and it didn't prove to pay, pan out. It did. Same thing with Chris. He bought it the fact that Chris Middleton got that deal. What was it? Six years, one hundred and seventy million or something crazy like that. He got a nice. Mm-hmm. He got a nice bag. He, oh, for him to be a Robin or a secondary star or all this—that's a heavy bag to pay. That's a lot of salary cap that y'all done committed to this guy for somebody you're not sure that can deliver. Well. Yeah, he's he, 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 world champ. Mm-hmm. World champ. And again, shout out to uh, again Miami, Diamond in the Rough. He was a throw-in for the. Uh, he started his career with Detroit Pistons. Detroit. Yeah, yeah. He was and he was in the G League for a while, and he got traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had yeah. a hairline. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he got traded for. Um, it was Christmas. Well, he went and took his hairline away, but look at how much better it made him. Yo, the look, being on the fringe of not being able to have a steady NBA job is the uh, Chris Middleton is a player who is a world champion, and we'll get to it later because you know we have to, and, and is also an Olympian. Mm-hmm. And before yeah, yeah. we get to, and before we pour too much champagne, you know, on the Milwaukee Bucks, um. Flowers to the Phoenix Suns. Big flowers. You know, nothing but praise and kudos to the coaching job that Monty Williams did. We saw that Phoenix team start to become aware of what they could be 
in the bubble. And they yeah. didn't get a chance to manifest that potential that they showed in the bubble until this year. Mm-hmm. And by, you know, acquiring Chris Paul and, and pushing themselves to be the number two seed in the West and eventually the Western Conference champions that they've got a lot to say. They've got a mm-hmm. lot to say. And teams are going to now have to strategize and build to beat them. They're now the hunted, whereas before they were the hunter. They're the prey when before they used to be the predator. So it's going to be, and, and, and at the head of that engine is a 36, going on 37-year-old point guard, who we all can admit, although he's an all-time great, the only thing he's doing is getting older. So Phoenix yeah. has some things that they're going to have to work on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a curious offseason in the NBA. I think that Milwaukee winning the world title kind of like balanced things out for the rest of all the other teams in the NBA. There's no real – like these, this finals didn't like tilt the pressure like it would have. If, if Brooklyn had won a world title, I think everybody feels like we got to go out and get three stars. Mm. But, because, but because Murphy's Law happened and injuries took them out, I think teams are more or less – not as pressed to feel like they have to match gun for gun what Brooklyn did because even with what Brooklyn did, they didn't get to the West. They didn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Nothing. They, they, they're not, not the, the East Conference. They didn't get to the, the finals. They weren't playing for a championship. Injuries. Yeah, them. but that's so, that's a. Um, I think that's a little misleading because it, there's too many. There's nobody felt, and that's the thing. Nobody felt that. Brooklyn healthy wouldn't be a problem. Could, yeah, could be beat because right, they, they showed when thirds against Milwaukee, they were up two zip, and Milwaukee looked like they didn't stand a chance. So correct, but but that's another thing. That's the reason why I said Milwaukee might be here for a while because you all have Brooklyn. They'll have another year, but that's also more time to get injured. You know what I mean? Because you're talking about guys having injuries to the lower extremities. Kyrie ankle hopefully should be fine, but, you know, sometimes people question Kyrie's mental. Where is he at? He takes time off. You know, he could play. He could fill it up. But sometimes being out of the that rhythm, sometimes injuries could happen. Now, obviously, with his injury, they have not rolling that ankle like that. That had nothing to do with, you know, how, how long he played. You know what I mean? He came down on somebody's foot. That's That can happen to anybody. But James Harden's the hamstring. Now, ham, now the thing about with James Harden is, He's been probably the most durable out of the three. So I think the hamstring issue is just more so he started out, you know, a lot heavier than needed and the body wasn't able to adjust as fast as he needed it to go. Um, so that that would be something. I mean, again, there's always the Brooklyn Nets, yes, they will probably go down as the favorites to start the season. But again, Milwaukee, for Milwaukee's sake, they slip under the radar because they were a number three seed after being a number one seed for the past two years prior to that. And Milwaukee didn't duck anybody. They took on they took on Miami when Miami last year was a team that beat them. And people were questioning, is Giannis for real? Is Giannis going to leave? They were questioning a lot of different things about the Milwaukee Bucks, but Milwaukee Bucks stood, stood tall. Now, the whole thing about Philadelphia, we don't know what Philadelphia is going to look like come next season. There's a possibility Ben mm-hmm. Simmons might be gone. We still, Joel Embiid is still never giving us 
a consistent, he's never healthy enough for him to really immerse his dominance in, into the, into the, the, the NBA playoffs. You know what I'm saying? He's always hurt. Joel Embiid is so good that he lost to MVP to how many games he played. And the same Nikola Jokic didn't win the MVP. Well, remember, that's how he lost Joel the rookie of the year. No, but that's Correct. how he lost the rookie of the year. It's because injury. That's what I'm saying. Joel Embiid doesn't lose, or Joel Embiid doesn't get awards because he doesn't win them. He gets them because he loses them. And it's all to the number of games he plays. It's almost like the same thing happened to Zion. John Moran got the rookie of the year because, simply put, Zion wasn't able to play enough games to, to take the trophy that he had pretty much been anointed. Same thing with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had a dominant rookie season, but what did he play? Like 26 games? And I'm being facetious when I say that. Yeah, you know, he no, but I think nah, he played a number of games. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'd have to, I could double check that, but it, yeah, he was close to that number, you know. But you knew, you saw it didn't take that many games for you to see that. Oh, this kid's a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, yeah, he actually played. He played thirty-one. So twenty-six is not for yo, he played five more games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, and he he averaged twenty, twenty, and eight. And then this year, this year he only played fifty-one games. He averaged 29, 29 and 11. Like, that's, you know what I'm saying? Let's, like, let's put it all in perspective. I, I want people who are our supporters, are our listeners, people who have appreciate y'all tremendously. The ones who have been clicking and, and listening and giving us feedback and, and providing us, you know, ideas and concepts to bring to the table to, to the podcast. Y'all can go back and play the tapes. We never really, or I never really, was willing to remove Milwaukee from championship contender consideration. It was just more so, could we take them seriously? And that's well, like what I, said, I never felt. I used to always say they're good. I always felt that coaching was the reason why they, I thought they wouldn't make it. But you know what? That's the thing. That's why you don't necessarily, when you're a focused team and you're locked in, you don't care about the outside noise. Because if mm-hmm. Milwaukee, the general managers or the owner would have listened to me, Coach Bell would have been out maybe in the middle of the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't going to be realistic. But they listen to you. But they didn't get to coach this team this season. You would have had Coach Bud replace yeah. the beginning of the season. After what he did last year with Milwaukee in the bubble. He was fired. Well, you fired. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, he, he would have definitely been gone. But now, but now he's in a situation where his contract's up. So, you got to pay he's me. He's playing with house money. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's one thing. That's Listen, that's the way to go out. They say, listen, man, my, my job's on the line. You told the team, listen, man, if we don't win this, y'all might never see me again. And there's a chance even if we win it, y'all might never see me again. So let's go out there and win it anyway so that way we put that pressure on management because now okay. management got to make a decision. And I would rather go to make it – I would have – you would he would he has more leverage being the world championship coach that now mm-hmm. needs a contract extension as opposed to, oh, yeah, you was Eastern Conference Finals, or yeah, you was Eastern Conference Semifinals, or yeah, you were NBA runner, Finals runner-up. Nah, we world champions, dog. Like, I need that bread. Back up that Brinks truck. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to pay me, you know, $2 million, you know, $3 million. I might get a 2 to $3 million a year raise because now I am a championship 
NBA championship coach with a core who can only get better. And Milwaukee can re-sign some of their role players that play key roles. Bobby Porter. Let's revisit that. Let's revisit that. Dante DiVincenzo didn't play for essentially the second half of the season. And he yeah. was there. He was a key piece to their backcourt. He yep. made it possible for it. And I think remember I spoke to it, I was like, Jeru Holiday kind of gets torn because he doesn't have somebody to give him that offset. Like, all right, I can lock in and just worry about defense this game because I got Dante. Dante's going to go out and, you know what I mean, he cooking. And Dante is also a person who can play defense too prior to the injury. So it's like, all right, well, Dante's locking up the person that we need to have locked up on the perimeter, so let me go out and get these guys 30. They had a nice little, you know, back and forth with those two available. And when it only just became true, he kind of had to balance doing both, which we can see was something that he was having struggles with. Mm-hmm. Now you get Dante back. Hopefully Dante's fully healthy to, to start the season. You have, you have a backcourt. And, again, we, I, I spoke to it before. There's a luster that comes to winning a championship in a franchise. Guys, all of a sudden, who would never consider playing there will sacrifice money to go be a part of something that they feel like will give them a better chance at winning a championship than playing somewhere else. So don't be surprised if Blake Griffin goes for one year, $3 million. I'm joking when I say that, but you get what I'm saying. There's going to be some random guy who's talented who suddenly wants to play for Milwaukee that we can't even forecast was willing to do it. Because why? They're a defending NBA champion. If LaMarcus mm-hmm. Aldridge comes out of retirement and says, you know what, I'm going to risk my heart ailment to play for Milwaukee, we'll be surprised, but we won't be surprised if children walk. Yeah, no, again, like I said, yeah, it happens. I mean, but then also Milwaukee has to think about uh, re-signing P.J. Tucker, who is – think about his, his story. He started on Houston, which is the worst team in the league, and he got traded now to the world champion – Milwaukee Bucks during the middle of the season and he played a vital point. He hate his frustration his frustration that he caused on defense to the other team that might allow him to resign. And you also got Bobby Portis who has the opportunity to who played very big who stepped up for them during the playoffs at different parts and in game six the clinching game was was one of the besides Giannis was probably the next person up that very stepped up yeah, talk, when they really needed. Talk that so, best player on the Knicks. Talk that best player on the Knicks stuff, Bobby Portis. Talk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yo, no, nah, it's just it's just when you got certain guys that's willing to accept their role and then they flourish mm-hmm. in that role, and then they yeah, say, the Knicks okay. prep the Knicks prep Bobby Portis to be exactly what he turned out to be for the Milwaukee Bucks. So big time shout out to the New York Knicks. For you know, making him a part of that 18 power forward rotation so that he can get used to not being on the floor all game and be able to focus and deliver quality performances and limited playing time, which is something that I think goes under under underappreciated in the NBA by these guys who don't get to play a full game. We kind of take it from the outside looking in. We're like, of course he got more energy. He's not playing 32 minutes a game, he's playing 20. But yeah. That means that everything is limited. So that means your quality of play has to be that much greater because you have so much smaller of a room for error. You can't go out as a bench player and start off one for five. Mm-mm. That might be that one might for be five a- might be your game. 
Yeah. That may one be for five time. might be your game. Yeah. No, I was just saying that going one for five in one game, you might sit for the next three. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You got every, every, every game for every game for certain role plays is an audition. You know, it's it's like I'm I'm auditioning for this role, and if I can continue to flourish in this role, I'm going to continue to shine. But you really got three to four guys that's waiting in line. Like, yo, the moment he slip up, let him get injured. Let him let the coach let him take some bad shots, and the coach pull him. That's my shot. You know what I mean? So you you when you're yeah, being, everybody when, everybody's on mom's spaghetti moment. When you're when you're when you're a bench player, your palms are sweaty. Yeah, like you said your palm, unless unless you're a Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, you know, like you've got equity. Well, I mean, there are guys, there's, there's guys that get a few far between. Yeah, but the sad part, look, the two guys you mentioned who are arguably the best bench players in NBA history have been on multiple teams in consecutive years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And some of them, and some of them haven't been because of contracts. The dudes have been signed for two to three year deals or four year deals. Or or all they are able to get from a team is a one year deal with a team option in the second year. You know what I mean? So those guys have uh, hired guns, but even their situations aren't safe. I mean, you got to figure. Lou Williams started off last year as as a star for the Clippers. This season, this season comes along, his minutes are being cut, diminished. Then he goes to Atlanta, and he's just, again he gets to star in his role. Where there's a possibility he'll come back to Atlanta, but we can't guarantee that. And then a guy like Jamal Crawford, who last we seen played in the bubble one time, he got hurt. But prior to that, he had dropped 51 in his last game. And he played for Phoenix, and he's consistently been on multiple teams. So the the thing about the role players is, and the thing, see, the another thing about what what we overlook too is depending on what type of role player off of what particular team, because a guy like Bobby Portis. His natural position is like power forward. Well, he's only going to get minutes in Milwaukee, kind of as a a five. He's going to take Brook Lopez's minutes because he ain't taking Giannis minutes because then you on you're only playing in blowout games. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. So you have to be able to flourish in that role because they could have easily just overplayed Brook Lopez if Bobby Portis didn't step. So you got to be and, in and the there were games and there were games in the finals where Brook Lopez. He played some great basketball, particularly yeah. games three and four. Three and four yeah. were the bounce back games in Milwaukee, and Brooke Lopez showed up and showed out. You know, exactly. he helped steady the chip when they got back to Milwaukee. But then games five and six, Bobby Porter stepped up. And it's not to say that Brooke Lopez wasn't out there. It's just to say that the, the, the contributions that Porter's made which were much more significant to the team's success in games five and six. And like you said, Milwaukee's a team. Now, I don't necessarily agree with you when you say they can only get better. I do believe that that team could wind up being, you know, like Budenholzer had them running when they were, two, you know, two years ago where they were winning 60-plus games and only losing 20 and getting a number one seed. Can they do that? Yes. But their style of basketball is not going to change. It's really a matter of, that team is going to evolve as Giannis evolves. So that's the real key to unlocking everything. If Giannis becomes this three-level scorer that we see flashes of, then yeah. And those remaining guys on the team simply play at their established levels, 
you're right. You're right. But Giannis really is the he he's the key that drives that engine, and he proved it. He proved it when he when he stepped up when he stepped up and took that fifty piece. He proved we're at the finish line. I'm gonna push us past. But yeah. as, as as the game evolves, as teams evolve, as the way people defend him evolves, he's got to evolve too. Because now people have seen how he wins a championship. So now it's about taking away the things that he did to make him a successful championship winner. And that's what teams are going to be primed to do with the building the wall, putting them on the free throw line. He, he fought all those things back for one, one amazing game. Now it's going to be a matter of can he repeatedly do it? And will he have enough versatility in his game that it makes it pointless to even come up with that type of stuff? Like there was a time where, remember Kevin Durant? Remember defending mm-hmm. Kevin Durant was a matter of make him dribble and then stick your arm in between his hands and the ball is going to be there. Because he always mm-hmm. brought the ball to the same exact place when he was getting ready to basket drive. So it almost became like, to me, like a comedy show. And I remember telling you, like, yo, the easiest thing in the world to do is strip Kevin Durant when he drives to the basket because he would put it the same place every time. Yeah. Every time. And it was like, yo, come on, bro. We get it. You got the rip move. So, you know, you get the fouls, but then the NBA canceled that. But then he still didn't evolve that. And when Draymond Green and, and Golden State exposed it, it was like, okay, well, that's the last real detriment to, to your, your arsenal. That's the last thing you do where people can't. And from that point on, he evolved. And now it's just a matter of, yo, we hope he has a bad night. Let's just put P.J. Tucker on. Yeah. That's where Giannis. Just rough him up. And hopefully the referees will allow physical play. That's the level that Giannis is about to need to step into. Pretty much, you know, Joel Embiid gets the ball in certain spots on the floor. It's really a matter of, is he going to execute? It's not, can you stop him? Same thing with a guy like Nikola Jokic. When he's got the ball and those elite players, you, you, you're not really out there game planning to effectively attack their – you're game planning to hope that you can just give them an off night. That's the level that Giannis is stepping into now. He's a world title NBA championship player. And if he gets to that level, like you said, sky's the limit for Milwaukee. Maybe they do repeat. Maybe they do remain in the championship conversation for the next five, six years. He's always 26. So, you know, yeah. era of dominance, LeBron is going on 37. Let's say yeah. Giannis has the same window. That's 11 more years of mm-hmm. the forefront of the league. So a decade and one more extra year on top of that, of everybody having to figure out what are we to give ourselves a chance when we face this guy. And based yeah, off of I what said- – no, I was also going to say the thing about it is his his teammates got have to consistently knock down shots in the crunch times in the playoffs, which they were doing because when they teams were building the wall, if his teammates weren't in, weren't hitting those corner shots, or he wasn't making a pass to them, and they weren't hitting those shots, then the wall looks like the best defensive tactic for him. But this season. A lot of his teammates were making those corner shots or making those three point shots, and they built so it was, and they built exactly. Up. So as and let's as go an back opposing to that. Let's coach, as an opposing coach, right. you got to start. You have to shift that wall a little bit because Miami was trying in the first round to shift the wall, but that's when um, Brandon. I mean, 
uh, Forbes was getting hot. You had Middleton hot. You had um, Pat Covington hot. You had PJ getting hot. Like so, that was broken up because the things that allowed the wall to be effective was these the, the shooters. The the moment was too big for those shooters. Well, this season the moment wasn't too big for these shooters. So now, and Giannis was making the passes that last year, the year before, he was like, nah, I, I tried that before. It don't work with y'all. I got to try to rush mm-hmm. through it, and I got to do the Euro step from half court, and somebody stepping into charge at the last minute. But now with the shooters hitting them shots, I could go ahead and make make the Euro step from half court because nobody steps in because right when they're about to step in, I dish it off. My guys already got their history hitting down them shots, and you'll rather give up a two-pointer than a three. You know what I mean? Because that the three-point game, the way the analytics work is that's the deadliest shot in basketball. You know what I mean? So I think if his teammates can... can Go ahead. No, I was just saying, as long as his teammates... The long as his teammates continue to help mask his limitations from a jump-shooting perspective, he's going to be able to work and eat. You know what I mean? Because if you saw in game six... He wasn't shooting too many of those threes, pointers. You know what I mean? He wasn't bailing guys. There was times where he was wild for the three. He said, nope, I'm dribbling it as close as I can get to DeAndre Aiden and do the spin move, or I'll try to push it through. I'll try to force my way through. Or I'll take a 15 to 18 footer. Exactly. Because he took a few of those. Yes, he took a few of those. He took the Kevin Garnett. Exactly. And that's what That's a power forward. But that also shows the growth in Giannis that – Yo, if you could get this guy to focus on, hey, not only to say worry on the three, if we can get you to focus on hitting them two pointers at a higher clip, those extended, those jump shooting 15 footers, 17 footers at a higher range, now the defense has to step up and shift a little bit more. Whereas the three point shots, they'll shoot that out. You bailing us out. And by the way, and by the way, Giannis, you're six foot 11 with a handle. So if you get, if you get, a mid-range game and a heavy, you can still get to the basket. Easy. Because now you're getting the ball, live dribble at the three-point line. You go into your heavy three-point line, the defender jumps. Now you've got all of these evasive moves that you've been working on that you always do, and the defender is jumping out of your way because he's afraid that you're going to take a jump shot. Free reign. So you get the Prezi with the heavy, you get your defender in the air, and you get to look like an air one mixtape. Because remember when Anthony Davis started his last couple of seasons in New Orleans when he started really showing that he could handle the ball and, and yeah. how it opened up his game and he started having those monster games, him and DeMarcus Cousins paired together because they both had that mobility at their size. Exactly. So Giannis is going to have that. He's going to have that. I'm anticipating that next season that there's going to be a couple times where a couple of to look foolish because they're going to be worried about him making a mid-range jumper. And he's going to go right past them and catch a few yarmulkes. So... His, his evolution is there for us to see and witness and almost like literally predict. It's just a matter of, is he going to be able to embrace it, snatch it? And I also wanted to go back to what you were talking to before. When we were covering and speaking about Milwaukee this whole entire season, we spoke to the fact that, hey, it looks like they're not the same team they were those past two seasons. Something about them and what they're trying doesn't seem to be able to make them as dominant as they once were. We said it. Mm-hmm. They were doing was building that equity in each other that you spoke to just now. In order for Giannis to believe in those guys making those shots, 
he had to give them those opportunities during the regular season to make those shots, try those shots, miss those shots, develop the faith and the courage to take those shots. So, yeah, they didn't have the greatest regular season winning clip like they had when they were a machine those first two seasons. And like you said, Giannis was doing a little bit of everything. Scale it back, Giannis. You're not going to do everything. You're going to give these guys these opportunities. And don't worry about the outcome. The outcome is not with right now. What we're concerned with right now is the preparation. And he bought in. He bought in. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, and I've spoken to this before so many times, having the best record in your conference means nothing. LeBron has proven it. Kobe and Shaq proved it. Michael Jordan proved it. If you go back and look at those six NBA titles that Michael Jordan took down, I think maybe three of those seasons, they had the best record in the league. Remember, they closed mm-hmm. out Utah. In Utah. The shot. That's a shot yeah. he made in Utah. Yeah. When he played Barkley in Phoenix, that was Barkley's MVP season and Phoenix won 60-plus games. They had the best yeah. record in the league. Yep. Oh, now you're right. It's not about it's not about having the best regular season performance when you get to the finals. It's about being the team that can withstand it all when the lights are on, and that's what Milwaukee proved. And mm-hmm. that's like you can't take the flowers away from them, and, and, and it's beautiful that you can do that. They've come full circle. It, it's been a rough three years, and it almost. I'm pretty sure they feel like where they at now definitely outweighs the pain that they endured in those first two seasons prior. But they got some more pain to, 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 to make retribution on. So yeah, I, I mean, do hope. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the one thing is well, this got to be mindful of that um, sometimes the second year bug is when some guys are just so happy they finally got one. They're not working in the offseason. Well, other teams are working. You know what I mean? So you're sitting high on the mountaintop and you're not able to defend your championship because there's so many guys that are saying, hey, I, that's all. I got one. I'm good. I don't really need to go. I don't or, need to play. Or, you know, so. or Murphy's Law. Look at what happens to the Lakers. The Lakers literally had everything that could go right for you happen in the bubble. Let's just be real. I'm, I'm, as a person who loves the game and analyzes and sees it, as a Lakers fan, I can still say, a lot of really fortunate things had to happen for the Lakers to win that title in the bubble. LeBron mm-hmm. and the Lakers got a 45-day break, 60-day break, before they resumed playing basketball. Yep. You take a guy who's in his 18th, 17th season, and you give him that many days off, and then have him restart? He's refreshed. He literally got an off-season in the season. It helped. They come back this year with a short turnaround, and that team is just simply not young and healthy and vibrant enough to sustain that level of basketball you need to play to win a championship. Look at what's going on with the Bucs. Your second best player, well, you know what? Because we're going to spend the rest of the podcast speaking to it, so let's just use it as a perfect segue. Yes, your, your second best player, he's playing in the Olympics. So his summer is abbreviated. And third best. He's the second not- third best players. Because Holiday's in there, too. Oh, yeah. I forgot the count. I keep forgetting the count of Drew Holiday. I'm sorry. No disrespect to you, Drew. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I, I sincerely apologize. Like, no, y'all people don't be mad at me. Yes. So you have two of your three, your top three, who are out there chasing a gold medal. 
Now, their voyage to the gold medal might be short based on a Team USA performance, which we're about to just jump right into now. But to, to wrap up the Milwaukee Bowl, that team has DiVincenzo coming back from injury. So we got to see where he's at. That speaks to what you spoke to earlier. The offseason with the coach. The offseason with Bobby Portis. The offseason with P.J. Tucker. They've got to re-round out that roster. Your other top three players, you know that they will be have worked during the summer. So you're going to want to not give them the same kind of camp that you normally would because their body and the wear and tear that you've seen based off of what happened this season with all of the injuries, you don't want to put them in that high percentage or high probability rate of having worked so hard that an injury is almost inevitable. You want to give them a window where you probably ease them into the season. So Milwaukee, they got some things to handle. They got some balancing. They got some load management to figure out. But on that note, let's jump into the Olympics and Team USA first game of group play and Team USA versus France results in a loss. We didn't see the game. The games, I would, unfortunately, the game's on tape delay, and the only way to watch Team USA live is through uh, um, an app called Peacock TV, which Peacock is indicative of the NBC logo, which leads me to believe that that must be some sort of NBC product or, or app. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. we'll find some way of, of getting access to these games when the next game comes along so that we can give real-time analysis of, of what we actually are able to see rather than having to wait for the replay. But looking at I mean, they lost to the Frank stand, and the Frank didn't even play. Yeah, they lost um, 80. 48. He said 48. Yeah. Evan 48 still hasn't gotten his sense of taste and smell back from COVID. <laughs> well, he, de- he, he definitely gave- sent- he gave him that work. Yeah. He he had his he had his kitchen senses. Yeah, he, 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 he knew what was in the pot. He was cooking. Yeah, but the, the crazy part about it is, I'm looking again. This I'm looking at the box score, but Team USA laid an egg in the third quarter. This is where the demise started happening. They were up by eight points and in, going into halftime. Um. And then let's do this the right way. Read to us, read to the fans, read to the listeners who played the minute log for the France national team. Who did the U.S. really lose to? Who are these guys? Um, so we know uh, Evan 48 was out there. Yeah, you got Evan 48. You got your. Yeah, you got uh, Rudy Gobert, who played for Utah, the center. Defensive um, player of the year. You got Nicholas Batum. All-world, most versatile Swiss Army knife, uh, overpaid got, guy. Yeah, and you got two two guys who uh, can't click on the link to see, their, to see their last name. I mean, to see their first names. But one is DeColo, who... Here, oh, Nando DeColo. Okay, now I don't. Okay, cool. That's fine. I'm familiar. Not the, he's a ball. Uh, he, he, another, he 
Okay, and another guy named um Fall M Fall. It's like a center. Another well, they have him as a center, but I guess he played forward for them. Um, those are the top guys to play. So out of I think they they on their roster, I think are like what six NBA players, but um some of those NBA players didn't play like it like uh the Knicks um, Frank Nil- Frank Frank Nilakina. He didn't play. Um, you had the uh, TLC from um, from wow, Brooklyn Nets. From Brooklyn. Yeah, but he he didn't have a he didn't have a strong game. He ended up with two points, one to six. Four. He had more personal fouls than anything else in the game. Um, he played defense, so, so I yeah, can't, yeah. So, I can't. but I mean, you know, he's he, one of those I guys who's more of a two-way contributor. So I would yeah. never point at his like offensive production to fully no, gauge his impact. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, one thing I have that well, this particular box score that I'm looking at, it's not showing the minutes play and not showing the plus minus. Um, and those are two key, obviously two key factors um, in what's going on. But Evan Fournier, he was 11 out of 22. He was four for four for uh, 12 from three. He uh, he had five turnovers, four rebounds. Like I said he had the 28 points, so he was. He was playing. He was playing. Honestly, and if I'm not mistaken, Evan Fournier is a free agent. So, if Evan Fournier is a free agent, he's trying to show teams that are paying attention, hey, sign me. I need that check because I could beat Team USA, and this might be the start of him being a consistent force for France because if he can – Continue keep this up to somewhat, you know, if not maybe not get 28 points a night, but if he can keep his scoring up or his playmaking up, you can see Fournier being a an asset to a team that says, you know what, we can go ahead and give this guy 15 million dollars a year or whatever, you know, whatever contract that he's going to be, him and his agent are going to be looking for, you know. Um, Fournier, again, for, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, he is out there playing for. For a bag, and Boston is in a unique situation. They traded for him. They've also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of made room for there to be another perimeter guy with Kimba being gone. They're going to have to make a 48 decision. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what type of salary is available to a guy like 48 because you know what he brings to the table as far as his ability to knock down shots from the perimeter. He can, you know, he can run pretty much any any batch of Ray Allen, J.J. Redick, get a screen, you know, Get a guy those type of plays. He's a shooter. I don't know what the value of that can be or or how necessary it's gonna be for what Boston is trying to put together, or any team for that matter, because Boston might just sign and trade him. Who knows? The point is, you're right, he's out there essentially auditioning for a bag. And to do it against a team like Team USA, perfect, perfect reflection because these are the quote unquote top guys. But I think the most curious thing. Is the quote that you showed me? Can you read me that quote? The quote yeah. that uh, Fournier gave. Uh, he said, "He said uh, after beating after France beat Team USA in group play, he said they are better individually, but they can be beaten as a team." And that's that's end quote. Um, now again, I don't know what the totality of, I don't know what the soundbite was, you know, but again. That was that's something because yes, on paper and individually, one on one, this is also going to show you that 
Team USA can't just throw a bunch of names together and say, all right, go have fun. I'll sit here. I'll, I'll you know, Popovich can't be like, oh, I'll we'll be waiting for the next play. Yeah, I'll be yeah, we'll see y'all I'll at show up. Yeah, I'll show you up at the ring ceremony or the gold medal ceremony. I'll show up when I'm at the gold medal. They can't. They um they're gonna be again, France is not let's put this, let's put this in perspective. This was the first loss in Olympic play since 2004. So as in the Olympics, Olympics are normally yeah, every, so under the house. Uh, I forgot exactly. Puerto Rico house. Yeah. Carlos Arroyo and the boys went out there and smoked the United States boots. I actually have the, I actually have, I'm going to send it to you because it came up on my Instagram feed. Highlights of Puerto Rico just absolutely cooking the United States. And this was back in 2004 when everybody had baggy jerseys on. <laughs> really bad. It looked really bad because it looked like cash money for the 9-9. Basketball out there. You remember that era? You remember that era when yeah, New Jersey yeah, no, no. was just out of control, big? Yeah. And, yeah, no, and you know, yeah. the, the Allen Iverson influence and all that. You know, everybody needs to have looser clothes to, to play better. And yeah, everybody was wearing this. Yeah, everybody was. Yeah, exactly. Everybody was wearing, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. But yeah, yeah, no, no, the, um, yeah it was crazy. But um, yeah, the thing about it is what I'm looking at, I'm looking at it. From the standpoint of the foul trouble, Kevin Durant was in foul trouble. He had five fouls. Uh, I don't know. That's the only problem with not being able to see the game and just seeing the box score. Does, does Kevin Durant? Does Kevin Durant commit fouls in the NBA? Like he yeah, actually puts his hands on people on defense in the NBA? Again, that's what I'm saying. This international play is different, and people got to agree. So I think Agreed. I'm trying to figure out what provoked Kevin Durant to touch anybody on the opposing team from a defensive perspective five times. Again, but that's what they that's must have him guarding the rim or something. Again, we don't know. That's what I'm saying. Without seeing right. the game, uh, without being able to see the game, it, it does. It really does give you a jaded perspective because we know, and that's not, and, and of course that's me being a little silly. But at the same time, the idea that Kevin Durant, who, who's one of the best scorers, or if not the best scorer in the world would be put in a position where he would have to play that kind of defense and be in foul trouble, that's a reflection of what the other team is doing to you. How is it that they're able to even have a strategy that allows Kevin Durant to be picked on unless you somehow, some reason, have Kevin Durant doing basket protection? Okay, let's go review who are the bigs. Because Rudy Gobert, you say you don't see minutes played, right? Yeah, it doesn't show minutes played. Let's assume Rudy Gobert played 20-plus minutes. Um, who are the bigs that, that the U.S. actually played? Does it, does it show you? Uh, Obviously, it's not going to show that minutes, but is it going to show anybody who registered yeah. in the box score that you would qualify as a big? I mean, the only players that played, it looks like, was they gave obvious uh, – Bam Adebayo was listed as their center – I mean, he had 12 and 10, so he could have been out there. Um, it doesn't say how long JaVel McGee played, but given that he, he did play, but again, I don't know because it's not showing the minutes, but I mean, two points, one rebound. He probably he probably got like, you know, he didn't start. So they're, they're mm-hmm. starting forwards are uh, green, obviously, bam, 
and they do they consider KD as a guard, but you know he could be that small forward out of Dan, um, Draymond, and, yeah, Dray, Draymond, Draymond, and the um, and Bam. Uh, that that's kind of like that's their front court. The front court is going to be Kevin Durant, Draymond, and Bam, and the back court is Zach Levine and Dame. Dame Lillard. Um, the only problem is Dame. Zach and, yeah, Zach Levine played. So um, he got himself out of protocol and into Tokyo. Of which I didn't even realize that was a thing. I thought initially when you said he was. Yeah, I knew he was going to be able to. I, I went back and followed because you told me, you, you gave me the heads up that he had been in protocol. And I thought he was off the team, but I went and followed up. And I saw that he was going to be there late. So he entered protocol, and then once he cleared, he was going to be able to catch up with them, which was good. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a big-time Levine supporter and fan. I definitely want to see him do well, but I mean, damn, Zach. Uh, let Listen, me read something real quick. Just... Let me read something real quick. It says the right. um, Team USA obviously got off to a rough start, right? 83-76. Um, the first loss since uh, Olympic competition since 2004 since they lost to Argentina. Um, the U.S. blew a seven-point lead in the final three minutes and 40 seconds. It says there was flashes of Team USA looking confident because they they, fin- they finished the game with twenty three assists on twenty five field goals, right? It got a it got a jolt off the bench from Drew Drew, uh, Drew Holiday, who came up with twelve of his eighteen points in the fourth quarter. But the Americans went cold down the stretch, allowing France to steal a game. Um, it says obviously, let me see. Uh, France France did a good job on the defensive end. Um, the, the team USA, one of the issues were their lack of half court offense. So, if the USA ain't getting out in transition, they're having a hard time scoring in the half court. And Kevin Durant, um, they said he, he played, uh, he got, he got into foul trouble. He got into, uh, he picked up his fourth foul early in the third quarter after switching on the Rudy Gobert and allowing and uh, battling for post up positions, you know, um. The officiating obviously is different than the NBA, so some of the NBA players um, are having. I told a hard you it had to have adjusting. something to do with interior play. Yeah, it had to have so, something to do with interior play. Kevin Durant is not running out, running around chasing guards, reaching. Yeah, and that's the thing. What, what one thing about the Americans, as we notice, and this is just the NBA thing that's becoming more common is every pick they're switching. You know, so mm-hmm. if if in a, in a national play where a guy like Rudy Gobert, they're actually looking for him to get some type of offensive, offensive plays in, you know. So he, so again, so now if you switch, and Kevin Durant now has to guard him in the post, and he's trying to battle for a position or trying to stop uh, Gobert from getting a certain type of position, yeah, I can see where fouls are called because, you know, that could happen. You know what I mean? Not saying that I saw the game at all. But it's just also saying that um, obviously the lack of size um, because the defense is normally, again, you're switching everything. So after setting the ball screen, Rudy Gobert, he just, he just dives to the post and he's able to finish the game with nine rebounds. Eight. Oh, another thing is Rudy Gobert got to the line eight times. So out of his 14 points, he got to the line. What was his? He was, um, he was what was he? He was a four, well, he's four for eight from the field from the free throw line, but not the fact that it, he only hit four free throws. 
fact that he got to the line eight times as a player who doesn't, you know, who again, they're just focusing him on the post. So they're allowing Rudy to cause a traffic, cause to break yeah. up that disruption. He's disrupting the game because now if you're switching everything, you're going to have a guy like Dame on him. So now you got to double down for Dame. And those guys, might they might have been playing with Gobert and Fournier on the same strong side. So if I got to leave Evan Fournier to go help out, go help out um, Dame Lillard in the post, now you kick it back out, Fournier's open for an open shot. He took 12 threes. So, again, he is he was playing very aggressive. So, you know that's that that's going to be a detriment. In fact, they don't have any bigs, and that was their that was by choice. They Team USA picked this team. It's not like it was a bunch of guys that just came to the gym and was like, "All right, well, we'll just take what we got." No, nah, you decided. And, and the sad part is, and we got to own up to the truth. We can say all we want about Bam Adebayo being, you know, the starting center. Bam Adebayo might be only six nine. Yeah. Yeah, he plays out of his mind, savage, hard. He's he's a rare ball handling big who can make plays from the five position. But he's an undersized five. He won yeah. the skills competition because he has guard like skills. In yeah. my opinion, his ideal NBA position, but but because he doesn't have a jump shot, is the four. Mm-hmm. But because of the way that the NBA is playing now, you can you can do this. You can have Draymond Green. Moonlight as a five in the NBA. It's not going to work in the NBA, in, in the international competition. It's just not going to work. You need bigs and you need legit bigs. Yeah, we but brought, what's, the problem, what's the problem with what you're saying? You legit bigs, if you look at the landscape of the NBA, the legit, you, the legit bigs are not from American, American. soil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's that's the challenge. So because the top bigs that are in the league, they're all foreign players. So at Team USA, the U.S. has now run into that issue. Is okay, we are the stamp of the NBA, and we're you know we have a certain level of play. But the international play is totally different. International play, the the strength still comes from the inside out. It's not everything. So they're going to look to guys who we might have never heard of, but if they could play in the post, they're going to get more playing time or they're going to get more touches and they got more decisions. That's why a guy named a guy like Luis Scola is able to flourish in international play. But when he comes into the NBA, he's not as strong as of a player, but he's an international beast because he, he has mm-hmm. post-up moves. His games, his game is focused on either block. He's not really, he's not really going to be able to step out and hit the 15 footer where the NBA wants him to, and he, he might not be able to find a job in the NBA because he can't hit that. But in the international play... He's also, like, he's also like 48 years old. Yeah, well, again, yes. I'm just using him as, as an example who's, right. who they'll focus on. I mean, but we can, we, can take it, we can take it as simple as you got a guy like Maxi Kleber who played internationally and now plays for the Dallas Mavericks. This all boils down to the way that, that European and foreign basketball is played. And I've spoken to it before about how the Spain pick and roll play has kind of like taken over modern NBA, modern basketball as a whole. The ball handler comes down the court and two bigs set consecutive screens for the ball handler. One guy rolls, the other guy sets a pin 
so that allows that that ball handler to either get an uncontested layup or continue to accelerate to the basket to give the big an alley oop. Mm-hmm. So bigs have relevance in the international game because that's the triangle. That's the new era, you know, motion offense. We're going to run the spade, pick and roll, and now every team in the NBA does it. And it allows for all this versatility and for you to deploy guys in different ways. But like you said, it goes back to something really simple when it comes to the United States. We don't have that many elite guys that are of that height and that size. Team USA is not going to send DeMarcus Cousins over. We could use him. Mm-hmm. We damn sure could use him right now. Yeah. But that's not who they're going to send. They're going to send JaVel McGee. Team USA could use Anthony Davis. But Anthony Davis is not going. Mm-mm. And yeah. this is the quandary that we're in. So we can continue to say, yeah, Team USA picked these guys and sent these guys. But there's also guys that aren't there to be there that would be. A- Let's just be real. The, the team that is over there representing the United States is not literally the best 12 United States born players or 12 best players that could represent. I mean, to be honest with you, Bam Adebayo, because of his African heritage, he could have easily wound up playing for another country for all we know if he had elected to do so. So I give him credit for even wanting to be a part of the Team USA basketball program. But when you compare him to a guy like uh, Rudy Gobert, you almost have to start JaVale McGee. Just simply because height on height. Yeah, you, you take a loss on JaVale not really being that offensively versatile, but at least you got a big that can, you know, take up the same amount of space. And that's really what it boils down to sometimes in international play. You've got to match body for body. And somebody has got to be able to shield Kevin Durant, your, your, your clear number one option, from being exposed to that type of foul trouble. And like you said, and like Evan, well, like Evan Fournier said, individually these guys are great, but they can lose as a team because they don't have that team mentality to know, okay, this guy, we've got to protect him. We can't let this guy get in foul trouble. You know what I'm saying? And Again, that that's all comes, comes down to coaching too. Agreed, which is something that we didn't really speak to. We all, we all have given Greg Popovich his flowers for the greatness that he has manifested in coaching for the entirety of his, his basketball coaching career. I mean, but I'm sorry, and I said this to you in a text message. Coach K wouldn't have this. This didn't happen on Coach K watch. So, you know, Popovich is as much to blame as, as, as the players who performed. You, yeah. you shepherd this team. You're responsible for the half-court offense they do or don't have, and you're responsible for the results they do or don't produce. Yeah, because also people are questioning Pop because – Look at the world championships from a couple of years ago. To Team USA was terrible. And he coached so, that team. Yeah, he coached that team because it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't Coach K. Coach K ain't gonna have that. First of all, first of all, those big time players would have never turned down Coach K. You know what I'm saying? And that's the one thing about Coach K. He has a lot a lot of players have played for him just because. You know, they want to and they want to be affiliated with the greatness that that is associated with him coaching the team. Yeah. You're 100% right. 
You're 100% right. And again, there's a lot that's going to have to be done. Like, Team USA keeps saying, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll fix it on the fly. And for the sake of, of our basketball reputation, I hope they do figure things out. I can't say it's not looking good or it's not looking bad because, like you said, we haven't seen the game to know. But they've got some things to figure out. And that's the beauty of the game is that they have an opportunity to go out and adjust. But I think in pool play, you can't really lose more than two games and advance to the medal round. Yeah, so I don't even know if you have the equity of one more loss. Well, well usually when you well, – one of the teams might have one loss and the other team that, that won the pool might have none. So losing two really puts you in a, you know, in a really, really, really precarious position. So – I don't know how many games are in the pool play. I think was like eight or maybe six. Uh, I think it's. I, I want to. I'm trying to look for that, but I think it's like six. For some reason, I think it's six, and then they got the obviously, um, the one and done rounds. You know what I'm saying? The playoffs. Right. Which, which is the but yeah, oh, I think the medal. Metal- yeah, you know what? It's yeah, sad. Yeah, the Olympics come every four years, and I feel like I'm restarting. We're finding out information every four years. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we have to relearn school. the Olympic tournament. It's, it's an Olympic tournament, so qualify to make that tournament to play for the middle round, and then the top four teams, the teams that make the final four, <clears throat> to advance to play in the gold medal game, and obviously the winner of the gold medal game gets the gold, the loser gets the silver, and then the the other game is for the bronze. Mm-hmm. So that part I can tell you with one hundred percent clarity, and is a tournament format to advance to get to those the, those last two games. So if you lose, you wind up in the bronze medal game right before your opportunity to play for the gold medal. So that much that I do remember, it's just a matter of how many teams actually advance out of the groups. I don't recall because I know some years they have more groups than others. And some years the group play might have, like you said, six games or maybe eight. So there are some things that we're going to have to catch up and learn because we did agree that we were going to give this, you know, Team USA team the coverage that they deserve because it's basketball. Um, but I think the next time we, we reconvene, it'll probably be after the draft. But you said it on Thursday? Mm-hmm. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, y'all can look forward to hearing from us after the NBA draft. Um, if any uh, Team USA games take, take place in between that time, we'll definitely recap them. Hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to catch wind of this take delay game and give you guys an analysis of what we actually saw and witnessed versus France. But until then, as always, we'd like to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you can do so by leaving us a note on any of the podcasts and platforms that we're hosted on and also following us there. You can send us at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And on that note, I'm going to say peace. Peace.